0: It's time. What's up, MMA world? Welcome to the MMA Takes podcast. I am your host with the most, Brian Petrie. Um, let's just address the elephant in the room. If you follow me on Twitter, which is at MMA Takes, you will know that I tweeted out, I believe on Saturday that, or maybe even Friday. I can't remember. My brain's mush. That I um, recorded a podcast and I did not release it because um, as I was editing it, I recorded on Thursday, I go and edit Friday to post, and I, somehow my idiot fat fingers, fat sausage fingers, made the uh, plug in microphone go halfway in, halfway out. So the audio was really, really bad. I could have recorded it, but I'm lazy. And I decided, you know what? Rockhold Romero is Saturday. Today is Sunday. Might as well record it after the fight because I got some money on the line. I am the kingmaker. I want to get you guys fat wallets so we can go over the results on that. And uh, we can go some current news that happened in the week. But uh, the the main thing you should take away from this is if you were looking for a podcast on Friday and the podcast didn't come out, you're probably thinking, okay, Brian's dead. Wrong. Because that is a good assumption because the only other way I'm not posting podcasts is if I'm dead. But truthfully, it was just really shoddy audio, and I'm not gonna do that to my 47 fans out there. I want to do that to you. I'm gonna re-record it. We'll go over everything and um and let's do it. Let's jump into some current news. So most of you know Max Holloway pulled out of the fight. He has a hairline fracture in his foot, leg, something or another. Probably climbing a coconut tree, getting some poi, or just, you know. Rough housing with his little son. I do not know the reason. He, he never really came out and said the reason. It was just called a lower leg injury. But nonetheless, I was really looking forward to that Edgar fight. Um, that was the fight to me. I was looking forward to that fight more than... Habib and Tony Ferguson. I just I'm so interested in Frankie's progression. I mean, five years ago he was getting out grappled by Conor McGregor, and now he's fighting the best grappler in the division, and he's got all this goddamn confidence. Like he knows all these secrets that we don't know. I mean, Frankie's a dog. Frankie Frankie's fucking tough. He gets everyone down, so I was really looking to see how that fight played out. If Max won that, I mean, he would have skyrocketed on my top five pound for pounds. I take my top five seriously. If you know anything about me, know one thing: I take my top five seriously. So the the fight got scrapped, but Frankie's like, you know what? I want to get paid. I want to get mines. So Brian T. City Ortega stepped up. I love this fight. Um, I wish. Ortega maybe got a little bit longer of a notice. Frankie's been training four weeks ish, I think. Yeah, it was about four weeks because they try to make uh, Cody Garbrandt uh, TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw turned it down. He had, uh, you know, he just had a baby, which I, you know, I'm a Cody fan because he's an Ohio guy, but um, you can't really rush that. I mean, he's got a five week at home. He's living in Denver, his camp's in California. You know, I don't think TJ's running scared. I do think it's a little weird that TJ like won't defend the belt since he has it. Like he keeps using it as an excuse. Like he wants to go fight DJ, which he thinks is the money fight. I think that could be a money fight if it gets put on the right pay-per-view. I don't know how much interest there is there for a casual fan. I think there's a lot of interest if TJ fought Cody again. But you can't do that on four weeks' notice when you got a little baby at home. You know, babies are tough. So they got they booked Edgar Ortega. Um, very interesting fight Brian Ortega is is hot right now he, he's undefeated I think his only loss and it's not really a loss and I don't even, I, they, I don't know if they overturned or they did a no contest in his early USc debut he got popped with some steroids um and then uh, they and it was a weird fight but he's but since he's come back he got I think a year suspension I don't know the exact details this isn't really a fact-checking podcast this is just Things I have in my brain that might not be true, but he did get popped or something. He got suspended, came back, has looked incredible. He has an incredible office back game. His his guard is ridiculous. Triangles. I mean, that's what T City stands for, is, or unless he's from Torrance, California. I really don't. I know he's from California, but I don't know if it's Torrance. Let's just say it's for the triangles. I, let's just say I just made that up. Okay. Uh, credit MMA takes for for that. If you if you use that elsewhere. But um it's it's gonna be an exciting fight. Egger's gonna push the pace on this kid. Egger's faster. Edgar has more experience. I think this is a huge fight for Ortega. I think Ortega has nothing to lose in this fight. If you lose a if you lose a Frankie Egger on short notice, oh well, I lost to the best 45 pound in the world. Let him go fight Max. Let me build my way back up. If you win, you get jump shot at right Rake to Max. You get that title shot, which I think Max might be an easier fight for Ortega than Edgar is. Edgar's a hard matchup for anybody with his relentless, relentlessness. God, it's a tough word. And just his overall um, that, you know, just being in there. I mean, beating some of the best guys in the world. Um, I'll have some my early prediction on that. Uh, this is an official, the Kingmaker will make his official pick. Uh, I'm leaning 60-40, Edgar. Um, it might be 70-30. I do think Edgar will. We'll control that fight and win most of that fight. But I do like Brian Ortega. I can't ever count that guy out. Then the other news was that um, since I needed a main event for that, that pay-per-view, Chris Cyborg now is maining main event against Jana. I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name because I'm going to look like an idiot. Uh, I know she's a former Invicta champion. I've looked up some highlights. Admittedly, I don't know her all that well. Um, she's looked good. I mean, she's 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 definitely a solid 145-er. There's really no one for Cyborg to fight. I mean, Megan Anderson gets thrown around, but I don't know what's going on with her. Um, you you could rematch. Her Her and Holly Holm could rematch on every pay-per-view. I'd be happy with that because that fight was amazing. But Cyborg should win this and, and run through her and just completely still be dominant. I mean, Cyborg is top five pound-for-pound pound in the world. She's so good. Best female fighter ever. Do not come at me with Ronda Rousey, and do not come at me with Gina Carano, even though Gina Carano is the hottest female fighter to ever step foot. You heard me. Sorry, Paige. Gina Carano, lip bite, GIF. Look it up. Thank me later. You're welcome. And then my final news. Um, I thought this was interesting. This is you might not because you might be my Matt Brown fans, but Matt Brown was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and uh, I've admittedly never really uh, really clicked with Matt Brown. I've, I've never really liked him. I never supported him necessarily, the immortal, that goddamn tattoo on his stomach. He's an Ohio guy. He's very close to me. Believe it or not, I've actually been in the same training room as him. Him and I have never really trained together directly, but I showed up mid-workout. He was there. I was there. Never really met or anything like that. This was when he was training down in Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, I just never, I don't know what it was. I just, he's not my kind of guy, I guess. And then he went on Rogan and blew me away. I mean, the guy's honesty and then, the burial of Snoop Dogg. You know, he just he says straight up fuck Snoop Dogg. And if you watch the video and see Joe's face, because Snoop Dogg's kind of a UFC employee type deal. He's in the new UFC game. He does the stand, the, you know, the knockout mode. He did that Snoop cast with Uriah, where he smoked weed and talked out of his ass, and it was funny for like you know the first time, and then the second, and third time, fourth time, fifth time, we wanted to kill him. But you know what? I agree with Matt Brown. Matt Brown said fuck Snoop Dogg because he talks shit on Conor. My two points here is one, fuck Snoop Dogg. You know, I'll fuck, I'd fuck Snoop Dogg up. He's about 100 pounds. He's what, 107? Um, he's, I'm gonna, I would, I would kick the shit out of him. And Matt Brown would put him in a body bag literally if they ever came across each other. So fuck Snoop Dogg. But there was some audio. I don't know if it was on his Instagram because I don't follow that old fuck. But he went on the rant about how he fucked Connor, fuck Connor this after the Floyd fight. Fuck fuck Connor's a bitch. It's money team, blah, blah, blah. First off, Connor did something that no other. MMA fighter no boxer has. I mean I know James Tony came over but what he did what Conor did was incredible Conor could have you know could have literally what I would have done if I was Conor you're getting paid anyway I don't know what his contract was I would have went there boxing them for a couple rounds realized Floyd's superior which he was Floyd's always gonna be the better boxer than Conor and then once you get aggravated throw him down throw an elbow at him or kick him ahead get disqualified. oh well done but he didn't do that and then and not to mention, for Snoop Dogg to call Conor McGregor a bitch, Floyd Mayweather, I know we talked about it last week, how he's flirting with the MMA thing. He'll never, ever come over to MMA, ever. And um, to call Conor a bitch for going into his world when Floyd's not going to come in his world, I mean, that's just unbelievable. The moral story is, is you know, I want to be the first in official podcast of to, uh, to say fuck you to Snoop Dogg, and if you're ever in Cincinnati, I will slap the shit out of your old ass. And that's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. If you come to Ohio, you got Matt Brown somewhere. Well, no, Matt Brown lives in Colorado now. Huh. We lost him. We lost another one. But that's the news right there. Yep, that's it. Okay, let's get into the betting results. And we got two here. So I'm going to try to speed through this because I do want to keep the podcast at 30 minutes ish. I don't want to go over even though this is kind of two podcasts rolled into one because I fucked up, but let's not talk about that. Um, we gotta go with Mashida Anders first, which was a week ago. Um, I wrote a blog on it. It's on MMAtakes.com. Um, a fat wallet blog. And let's just say I didn't I didn't do didn't, didn't do so hot on the night. Um, some of my picks fell through. Some of my locks lost. Marcelo Gom really disappointed me. He lost to Tim Johnson. That was my super lock of the night. It was a it was a fairly close line, but I thought the thought the Brazilian kid was going to get it done. He did not. But my big winner on the night, I think I um, of everything I bet, I think I broke. I went over even actually. I, I'm up a hundreds. Uh, Leoto, the Dragon Machida, vintage form. I predicted it the minute that fight got announced. He was a plus 220 under. He won a split decision against Eric Anders. I feel like Anders is getting by the fact that he played for Alabama and he was a high-level college football player. I don't think that really translates well to MMA. It never really has. I mean, Matt Mitron is great, but is he that great? Leoto was vintage Leoto. Leo was circling, Leoto was popping and kicking. He's definitely lost a step. I mean, he's he's forty, so he's the, and he and he has uh, had a long layoff. He just came off a big knockout. A lot of people did not want Leoto to take this fight after getting his goddamn brain knocked in by Derek Brunson uh, you know, like a month and a half ago. But um, it was his hometown, and he came out and he showed out. He won a split decision. I, I think there were some really bad decisions decisions on the night this was not one of them i agree with this not only because i made some money off it but i really did think it was the right call tim means however got fucked out of the decision i thought he won that fight handily some home cooking going on in brazil um that was some bullshit right there so on the night i didn't do so well if you want to you know i'm not going to keep tally for you but there's a blog you can go back to my blog and comment on how big of an idiot i am for picking certain fighters but uh i picked machida i got the golden goose baby I got the I got the big ticket winner, and then uh, on last night's card, I did not write a blog for it because uh, I was in very dismay. I was very I went over on the podcast uh, if, if the lost audio tape if we can if we can call it that on the podcast I recorded on Thursday and, and my fat fingers messed it up. Um, I went over on the podcast. I thought it was a weaker card. There wasn't a ton of picks. I had three picks, and this you can make me think I'm making it up, and I actually wasn't going to bring it up on the podcast because. I have no proof that this is what I said. But I had a good night. I picked uh, GCA Formiga to win. He had that crazy spinning back this on Ben Wim. I went back and forth in my head on Mark Hunt, Curtis Blades. Mark Hunt fighting in his you know home country. I don't think he's from Perth, but you know, you know, New Zealand, Australia in front of those guys. Um Curtis Blades though, you know what? I went back and forth all week, but what did it for me was Curtis Blades looks in such good shape. Everyone's talking about how trim Mark Hunt looked and how great Mark Hunt looked, which he does. I mean, he's Mark Hunt. He's a fucking legend, but Curtis Blades looked amazing. He looked in incredible shape. I don't think a lot of people will give him enough credit. I think he's kind of one of those guys that he doesn't have anything that, like, stands out at you besides his beard. That beard's fucking glorious. But he went two hard, two and a half hard rounds with Francis Ngannou Took some big shots, got dropped, took and gone you down. It was a very close fight. It was his UFC debut. He got his eye busted up. That's what what's caused the fight. He didn't get knocked out by Angani. He, he got he got uh, his eye swollen shut. So Blades is one of those guys. Reminds me reminds me of a guy that's not. He doesn't win pretty. You know the the Mark Hunt fight was not a pretty win. He got hurt in the first round and he, and he ended up dominant. He he got he did what he had to do to win in front of that crowd. Um, I'm sure he's not winning a ton of fans, but he won me as a fan because uh, you know he's a Chicago guy. He's training out in Colorado now in phenomenal shape. The heavyweight division is is light as it is. Now, I'm not saying this guy's going to go beat Stipe or let's have him rematch Ngani next, but give him maybe a name. Maybe give him Andre Oloski. Maybe give him something like that. Let's see what he does against event because I don't think he's going to be able to lay on Andre or Lowski like he did Marcon. Hunt. I don't think he'll be able to do that. But, you know, he's going to have to take some shots. He's going to have to show what he's made of. And um, But I'm, I'm kind of high on Curtis Plates. Everyone's kind of shitting on him about the performance. But I had him. He was an underdog. I had the money line on him, put a 100 bucks on him, and then I put 100 bucks on Yo Romero. Uh, I broke this fight down on the last podcast, the lost tapes, the lost files. Um, basically, I thought what was gonna happen was gonna happen. Rockhole was gonna kick a lot. He's gonna come forward. Yo Romero's gonna kind of doing a little warning track thing they he does. He's gonna shift a lot. A lot of people thought if it went five rounds, it was you know curtains for Romero. I kind of thought that too. I started, you know, I I, I placed my bet on a, on Thursday, literally right after the podcast. He missed his weight on Friday, and then so I, you know, I started uh, I started questioning my pick, obviously, but then I realized who I am and uh, realized that uh, this is what I do, and I stuck with my, my guns. And Yoro Romero looked very impressive, knocking out Luke Rockhold. It was a sick exchange. He went for a, a fake kind of single grab to a jab to a big left straight. Dropped Rockhold and then just with this wicked uppercut, as Rockhold was pinned against the fence and put him out. Great performance by Yo Romero. Um, you know, I'm not a big Yo guy. I, 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 I guess I want. I thought in my in my heart, I wanted Rockhold to win. I think there's more. I think Rockhold's more marketable. He's handsome as ever. Um, he's got history with some of the guys there. I mean, I would love. The, I would love to see him fight Whitaker. Um, and then, but Yo Romero, who's already fought Whitaker and lost a, a close fight, I guess he's getting the shot again. As many of you know, that's not sound like a broke record. Yo Romero missed weight, didn't get the. Since he won, he didn't win the interim title, but you know he probably won a shot at uh, Whitaker again. Hopefully they, hopefully they can do it in Australia. I don't know how well that sells outside of there. Um, Whitaker's kind of a quieter guy, and Yo Romero, you know, they have a lot of respect for each other. You could probably put that on a card in the states, you know, a big card. But I would just say, go back to Australia, put it out there, Riddick.er You know, he's got crazy fans out there. They sold the sold out well. I'm sure the pay per view numbers are going to be dog shit. But they sold well in Australia, and I think that's what you kind of got to do right now. I think Wapper Riddicker could be a star. I like Robert Riddicker a lot. I think he's exciting. The Jacare fight was amazing. I mean, really, his only big hiccup in the UFC, I mean, I know he's lost a few, but the Steven Thompson fight, I go back and look at that and go, what, what happened? Like I would have never predicted this guy to go up in weight and win the 85-pound title. Another thing I would like to talk about this night is my guy, about two weeks ago, I was going over the cards, seeing who's what, whatever. Israel Adonise, I am pronouncing his last name wrong. I apologize. The next podcast, I am going to fucking pronounce the shit out of that name. But Israel, the stylebender is what I refer to him. Now, this kid's a star. I mean, this kid is it. Um I'm I'm super excited about this. I mean, this kid's kickboxing records. I think it's I think they mispronounced it. I think he went on Twitter and said, "No, listen, that's I'm not 65 and five. I'm 75 and five. So he, they're shorting him 10 wins. This kid was so patient. I know he fought Rob Wilkinson, who's not a world beater by any means, but he's a grinder. He's a tough guy. He's gonna get in there. He's gonna get in your face." He's 11-0 in MMA. His biggest win outside of the UFC, obviously, was against Melvin Gallard. I mean, Israel, is the stylebender is an 85er. Melvin Gallard is not an 85er. So you can imagine how that fight went. It was pretty sad to see because I've, I've I was a Melvin Gallard fan uh, in my youth. But um, Israel, the stylebender, Adesande, Adesanya, I'm pronouncing God, I'm so sorry I'm pronouncing that wrong. He's my guy this is the guy at 85 i want to see i was texting my buddy and i said listen this is what they should do for him okay he he's from nigeria lives in new zealand i believe they could put him on a new zealand card they could put him on that whitaker card with against you a while i don't know how um i don't know how far out whitaker isn't returning so i don't want to wait too much he didn't take much damage he looks so patient he looks so so good 85 needs a guy like that. He's a smaller 85, so if he he runs across someone like Jacare, who's just a fucking an alligator in there. I mean, that's his that's 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 his name. Then you can drop down to 70. Which if he drops on to 70, the welterweight division is probably the best division in any MMA currently, the best division in MMA ever. If he drops down, this is I mean, my head will fucking explode. My head will literally explode. I have to call off a week of work just to process all the matchups that could happen. But uh, he looked great. He looked patient. I was I was I had a lot of hype for him. I've watched, I think probably out of his out of his 80 plus kickboxing fights in the past two weeks, I've watched at least 30. I've watched all of his MMA fights that were available to me. And um, I really liked his kids. Sometimes kickboxers they come out a little slow, but he had so much confidence in what he was doing. In that first round against Wilkinson, Wilkinson was just chain grappling the whole time. And when they broke, Israel was just kind of popping stuff at him, and nothing crazy. Came out hot in the second round. Take down the fence, looked on point. But this kid, what they need to do, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting a little excited because of how excited I am about this kid. This kid juices me up. His post-fight interview was amazing, personality for days. But anyway, texting my buddy and I said, this is what needs to happen, right? Obviously, he's a star in his home country. They need to give him a quick turnaround, right? What is it, February? Put him on the April card, right? Put him on the Tony Ferguson-Habib card. Get an 85-er, but get one, you know, right outside the top 15 or maybe right around the top 15. I'm not looking at the top 15. I can't. I'm not going to play matchmaker, but give him... Someone that's going to stand with them. thats a—that's a—that's a striker, but also has a little bit of grappling. Because I don't think any striker at 85 is going to stand with this guy. It's always going to turn into can he stop the takedown? Give him then in the states. He hasn't fought in the states, I don't think ever. I don't. I'm pretty sure he's never been he never fought in the United States. Maybe maybe kickboxing, but I doubt it. Because kickboxing is not super popular in the United States. But anyway, give him a guy like that, right? Let him build that up. Hopefully he wins. Then you got two wins under your belt. You got another post-fight interview in the States where people appreciate this guy's humor. And this guy fake wicked his dick out and pissed on the floor. He called out somebody in the backstage, which apparently was Sean Shelby. He's yelling at people about creeping on his Instagram. I mean, this kid's a star. I mean, this kid for real, real deal. And not for nothing. And and, and don't give me that racist card because he's a black guy, but he looks like John Jones. Uh, him and John Jones are. I mean, he's, he's 6'4 for the division. He's not overly ripped. He's kind of lanky. He's kind of, but he's strong. And 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 he he reminds me a lot of John Jones, but with a little bit more skill in the stand up. I'm excited about this kid. I just you hear that, I had to take a breath because that's how excited I am about this kid. He is the real deal. I fo- follow him on all platforms at the Style bender. This kids this kid's awesome. I mean, he posted a shirt to say he wants to bring the word cunt back. You know, kind of a trigger word for a lot of females. I mean, I know a lot of people hate it, but you know, he's trying to bring it back. That's that that's that New Zealand sense of humor that in the States, you know, we might miss, but I love it. I love this kid. I'm so hot on him. So that is that is my results right there. I know I kind of went off on the rant for my guy at the end, but uh that's that. All right, so this week I'm gonna give you a hot take and it's gonna kind of tie into with what happened. You know, the past week or so. So, my hot take is Chris Wyman. Now, what about Chris Wyman? Well, I'm a Chris Wyman fan. I actually like him. I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends who are casual MMA fans aren't crazy about Chris Wyman. But what he tweeted out uh, earlier last week was that he's really never, essentially, he's never really lost a fight. He, he tweeted out that every fight he's ever been in, he was dominating. First off, no. Second off, I don't think that's a the correct way to to handle how you lose. If you listen to Dominic Cruz, who says you got to process your loss, you got to own it, you got to you got to eat that loss, you got to eat that L. And Chris Wyman is saying that um, his fight with Luke Rockhold it was one mistake he lost. Well, I've rewatched that fight several times, and it was a very very close fight. Um, and I think you maybe won one round and then threw a weird kick and then got pounded out and just basically quit and got tired. I mean, that's what happened. If you're going around, you're the same guy that said that your wins over Anderson Silva shouldn't be flukes because you were dominating him. Well, the first fight you weren't and, you, and some can say you made an art, you could land a lucky punch when he was showboating, right? I'm not one of those people. Anderson fucked up. Anderson was doing his, his stupid-ass little whatever, and you caught him. Okay, that's great. I'm going to give you credit for that. The second fight, you were dominating him. You, were, you took it to him. You took him down, Whatever. But right when you start to slow down and Anderson start to come on, because we've seen Anderson come back from fights, he breaks his leg. And you say, oh, well, I turned my knee and that's what I did. So you can't have it two ways, Chris Wyman. You can't have it when I won against Anderson Silva, that was because I was the best. And when I lose, it's because I made a mistake or the refs fucked me or whatever it was. That is hard for me to hear. You know, this is the guy that wants to fight Whitaker next. He, he thinks he should leave frog Yoel. I mean, Yoel just beat a guy that you haven't beaten. And Yoel has beaten you. It's just a delusion. And I know when you're a fighter, you have to have confidence. You have to have this bravado. You have to... Think a certain way to get where you're going. I respect that. I respect the confidence. I respect the ego. But you got to have some kind of sense of awareness that you tweeted out this big thing. I think it was at some fan, some fan asking a question like who's going to win or whatever. And then he was actually in Australia for the fights. You know, he didn't get called up or anything, but he was uh, Instagram storing it. But it's, you know, let's look. La Rocco fight. You, you threw that kick, but you were getting tired and you weren't dominating. Then you got dominating got TKO. The Yoel Romero fight you were you won the first round it was close you won the first round second round you lost third round you got knee, your fucking knee head off headed off, and then your own knee hit you in the face and cut you open you're done there you weren't winning that fight, nor were you dominating the Gagar Musasi fight you you shot in you try to change your your game up a little bit you shot in on Gagar Musasi I don't know the first two rounds about what I mean I don't have the numbers again this isn't a fact checking podcast let's just say twenty times. You start to get tired. He throws an illegal knee. That's 100% on Gagar Masazi. You sat there for I don't know how many minutes, not knowing where you're at, not knowing what's going on. They reviewed it, and the minute you thought it was an illegal knee, you were milking it, and the minute they were were like, wait a second, that's not an illegal knee. That was a clean knee. You threw a fit. You were okay. You were ready to fight when you found out it was a legal knee. It's kind of like the Josh Kostak thing against Paul Daly. Where was that knee at? Um, I don't want to bash Chris Wyman because, like I said, I do like him. I do follow him on social media. I think he's, I think he's good for the vision. I think he's a great fighter. But what scares me is that mentality that he has right now. That tweet really scared me. Okay, you need to get it grasped. You need to eat those L's. Like I recorded a podcast. Let me compare something that is the exact same thing to fighting. I recorded a podcast last week, and my fat finger somehow unplugged the microphone, and the recording, the audio, rec- audio recording was so shoddy. I didn't blame that on the microphone. I didn't blame that on my computer. I blamed it on me. Sometimes you got to eat those L's. You got it. You got to eat it, and you haven't been doing that, Chris Wyman. You're scaring me, Chris Wyman. You need to fight Luke Rockhold before you get a shot. Anyway, Luke Rockhold got in your head, and I think he fucked you up pretty bad. So if you want a title shot, you got to go Luke Rockhold. That's my hot take. I'm done. That's hot take of the week. All right, let's end the show like we always do. I'm going to give you my top five. And uh, it's funny that we just talked about Chris Wyman because I want to give you my top um, top five Anderson Silva performances. And believe you me, Chris Wyman will not be on this list. But let's go. Jump right in. Number five. This is a tough one for me because growing up in Cincinnati and being an MMA fan, this guy was your idol. And it's Rich Franklin. Number five is Rich Franklin. One, the first one. The second one, I mean, we all kind of knew who Anderson Silva was at that point. Not super surprising. Um, Anderson Silva fought Rich Franklin at UFC 64, I believe. And, um, God damn, I was one, it was, it was one of the worst days of my life. I remember feeling so good about that fight because I saw Anderson fight in pride. I saw him fight Jeremy Horn. I saw him fight, saw him get tapped out a few times. Uh, Rio Chonin tapped him out with a sick knee bar, leg lock, uh, heel hook type deal. Um, I've seen him fight. I thought he was a skinnier guy. He came in. I saw him fight Tony Fricklin in England, cage warriors or whatever. Came in and fought Chris Liebman in his first fight. Smoked Chris Liebman, which is, you know, Chris Liebman's a tough, tough guy. Very impressive stoppage. But you kind of figured that was going to happen because, you know, Chris Liebman's a wild man he charged forward and still was that good. Rich was, at the time, the best 85-er. He was the champion, obviously. And he um, was a big guy. Big, thick, strong guy. And was was the bigger guy in the division. Came down from 205. And I remember going over to my buddy's house and being very confident at night. Drinking a few beers. You know, I started feeling myself a little bit. You know, I started feeling good. I'm telling my friends, oh, you can't put a triangle on me. Or if you could get put a triangle on me, I'll let you put a triangle on me and I'll get out. So I get in position. They uh, wrap their legs around my head. And I said, I'm not going to tap. So don't let go. He puts a triangle on. And mind you, I've never done jujitsu classes and neither has my friend. We have just watched it on TV. So we don't know what you're doing. But I felt so good about myself that I said I could get out of it. Long story short, I could not. I ended up tapping, and then when my buddy finally let me go, he said that the vein in my forehead was so big it was ready to burst. So I should have known that was a dead dead giveaway that it was gonna be a bad night. And as you know in history, uh Anderson Silva grabbed Rich Franklin the clinch, uh and Rich Franklin looked like a little boy who could not get out, and he got need in need, and his nose became so ugly. And uh, I just was so impressed by Anderson's just strength, and just I mean he's walking through that. And if you look at some of those still pictures in Rich Franklin's face, how scared he looked, and just how and, you know, he, and Rich is just the only thing he could do was throw punches. at Anderson and he's just eating them, and then just throwing these knees. I was so goddamn impressive. It's hard for me to talk about, but it was impressive. Number four, Chael two. A lot of people think it's Chael one. It's not Chael one. Chael one, he was losing the whole fight. He had a good, if it was if it was the best moments, best seconds of Anderson Silva's career, or best submissions of Anderson Silva's career, top five submissions, then yeah, that'd be on the list. But this is top five Anderson Silva performances. Chael 2, after the Chael 1 fight where he was losing for four and a half rounds and then got caught, Chael easily could have been like, yeah, I got caught, I was dominating this guy, I can do it again, I'm going to do it again. Chael at the time was one of the best talkers in the sport. They go and fight again. Anderson, I believe, got taken down like right off the bat, worked his way back to the feet, then never gave up a takedown again, threw a knee right in Chael Sonnen's face after some weird back fist, spinning back fist attempt, threw a knee right in his chest, and Aunt Chael is still probably to this day sucking for some air. Great performance by Anderson. I thought that was a really – even though he beat Chael the first time, um, I think this was probably you know some a little bit of redemption. Like, hey, listen, I can I, I can dominate this guy. I was hurt last time. I'm not hurt this time. Number three, Stephen Bonner. Um, Stephen Bonner, not a world beater by any means. Um, definitely was on steroids for this fight, most of his career. But Anderson took this fight at 205 on short notice, just to save the Brazil pay-per-view, the Brazil card for his Brazilian home country, and uh, completely embarrassed Stefan Bonner. um, Laid against the fence and was like waving Stefan in, telling him to swing, and he's doing some head movement. Ate a couple punches, but it didn't bother him at all. I mean, Anderson just looked unstoppable in that fight. Um, And then again, he threw a knee, a a jumping knee, into Stefan Bonner's chest and caved it in. And basically, he was like, okay, I'm done. I'm, after a while, he was like, you know what? I'm, I'm fucking done. I'm a knee and your a chest. You're going to fall over. You're going to fall over. That's that's how that goes. Number two, um, probably this would be number one greatest knockout, in Anderson Silva. But I recently watched this again and looked at the performance. He It was Vitor Belfort. It was a really slow beginning. None of them would, would engage. But if you look at it closely, and if you watch it, you can see that he was setting that up the entire fight. He won it. Vitor to come at him with his hands, his fast hands. Vitor wanted to counter Anderson. So they were kind of playing this game, and then, you know, a couple after a couple quick exchanges, Anderson goes, okay, and then Anderson set it up, and that back front kick to the face, that kind of changed MMA because then we start seeing that more and more and more and more guys, you know, it's a copycat, you know, sport at that point. And I mean that was just some of the greatest martial arts I've ever seen. One of the greatest knockouts in MMA history. One of my favorites, personal favorites. I loved it, and uh, it looked so goddamn cool. It, early MMA takes website. I had that as my background. I took it down. Might put it back up. Who fucking knows? And number one, um, Forrest Griffin. And this is just—I mean, this this was a human highlight reel. I mean, if you if you put a Anderson Silva highlight on YouTube. This is going to be at the forefront. Him ducking and dodging and moving, just head moving, head down. And not only was he was he slipping punches, and I mean, he was tagging Forrest too. And if you watch it, and you watch the video and you see some of the pictures. Anderson's eyes never left Forrest the entire time. He knew what Forrest was doing before Forrest did, you know. And again, Forrest isn't like in a high elite competition kind of a guy at that point. He was at the tail end of his career. He's a big, slow 205-er, and Anderson was the quicker man. So the competition wasn't great, but the performance was flawless and perfect and one of the best of all time. I mean, I had – I maybe maybe this is just fond memories of me because I have a lot of friends that aren't super big MMA fans. They're very casual fans. And we had some people over, you know, we're drinking, we're boozing, and I put that fight, you know, with got the pay-per-view, that fight came on, and the place went nuts. Anderson Silva became a household name with my soccer buddy friends. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So that's got to be number one. I would love to see someone do a better list than Top 5 Anderson Civil Performances. I would love it. I challenge you. Good luck. So that's the show. That's it. We recorded it. I just double-checked the audio. Everything is good. So I'll see. I'm actually going to put out two this week. This one will come out. This you probably going to be listening to this on a Monday. I'm going to put out one for Friday for the preview for the card for this Saturday. All right. See ya.